Sari here. Before we get started on this episode, I wanted to briefly share an update and thank some people who made this episode possible. You can join our SLP Happy Hour Club and get bonuses at www.patreon.com slash slphappyhour. That is Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Our first level is for $2 a month. You can get your name mentioned on our podcast. And for $5 a month, you can get exclusive bonuses. Our current bonuses include things like extended interviews and all sorts of information on different workplace settings, including private practice, travel SLP, and telepractice. And there is new bonus content going up all the time. So for that $5 monthly level, you can check out those current videos and more. And we want to send a thank you to Eric X. Raj and Deborah Brooks, who are currently a part of our Patreon group. Thank you both for sponsoring SLP Happy Hour. Your support means so much. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. Our goal is to provide you with a way to listen to real conversations on work by real SLPs. We are full-time SLPs in the trenches. These are honest conversations. We hope these conversations are helpful, fun, and make your work and home life more manageable. I'm Sarah Lockhart, and with me is Sari. I'm an SLP of 10 and a half years, and I work in a variety of settings, and I enjoy talking anything workplace or self-care related. Oh, and I'm a huge Gilmore Girls fan. Team Jess! (laughs) (laughs) Or Team Rory Stays Single. I'm torn. (laughs) And I'm Sari Wu, a clinical fellow SLP finishing up my first year. I hope our listeners will find my experiences and insights relatable and helpful for dealing with their first year in day-to-day SLP challenges and adventures. And, by the way, I am a reformed Team Dean, and I am now a Team Jess. This is a podcast to discuss, beyond just the Gilmore Girls, work, life, and taking care of ourselves in a profession full of ups and downs. I hope that by tuning in, we can all feel less alone, less isolated, and more empowered to be great SLPs. This episode, how to know when you need to take a break, helpful advice for those times we need to share difficult news with parents and caregivers, and negative mantras. What are they? and how can you catch yourself when you're in one. We also share a self-care challenge to help you flip your perspective when you are feeling negative. First up, we're sharing what's going on in our lives in real time. We do this by sharing what's up or what's going well and what's down or what's not going so well. It's an activity we do with some of our older students and we loop it into the podcast every now and then. Up today, it's Sari's turn to share something that isn't going well. What's down, Sari? So, you know, I was out sick a few weeks ago and I missed about five days of work. 
And that is my what's down, but not for the reason you think, not for the sick part, but for the coming back to all of the work part. And so I just wanted to mention it here because I think a lot of people don't know when you get into the profession, there's generally not a substitute that you can call up to cover for you in most work settings. When you're out, your email piles up. Meetings need to be rescheduled, deadlines still happen, students aren't being seen, and when you get back from being out, it's almost like you need to make up all of that time that you were gone and work double. So it's a happiness drain, and I wanted to mention it because um, I thought other SLPs could relate. It's hard to be out and think about all the work that's piling up when you're gone, but it's even harder to go back and try to make some progress on that workload. And added to that, my students weren't seen when I was gone, which was a bummer, and it doesn't feel great. So all around, it's a bummer when you miss work as an SLP. And uh, I think folks listening can definitely relate to that. Mm-hmm. I know I can. I once missed what I think was two weeks when I had bronchitis. And at that time, I was so sick that friends needed to bring me groceries because it was so exhausting to even walk to the kitchen Ugh. to get food. So it was bad. And at the time, I didn't feel bad while I was homesick. And I didn't check email or worry about work because, honestly, I was just really ill. And I could barely get out of bed or even think straight. So I wasn't thinking about work at all. Meetings did have to be rescheduled. And if there was a meeting that was on a deadline, a coworker had to do my part for me. And that was a bummer because I I did feel bad about that. So my students weren't seen during that time. But when I got back, I tried to see my students as often as possible. And to remember, it's not my responsibility to find and pay a substitute. That was the district's decision not to. And I needed to let it go. And it was outside my scope of control. So if you're an SLP who has had to miss several days of work or even weeks, know that we can relate and feel better soon Take care of yourself, and don't you dare check your email. Take care of yourself first. And if you've missed several days like me, know that we're all just trying to catch up as much as possible and do our best. So Sarah, what's going well in your life lately? What's your up? Yes, I got what's up this week. So lately I've had the goal of spending more time with SLP friends and just friends in general. And I did move to a new area a few years ago, and as a part of that, I've realized that my built-in friends from where I used to live aren't where I live now, so I have to put more effort into it. So while it takes more effort and time to develop new friendships, it really is incredibly valuable. It gives me time to chill out, joke around, eat a nice meal. And those times are really priceless. So lately I've put more energy into getting together with friends, hearing other people's perspectives, catching up, laughing, and just being silly. Just don't ask me about the other goals I've made and how those are going, but this one is going well. Good for you for making this a goal and for sticking to it. Having a life outside of work is important, like we keep on saying. And it's nice to have a social life outside of work that involves people in the same field of you and also those who aren't in the same field as you. So I like that you made it a goal to spend more time with friends and with your SLP friends. Yeah, that time spent just taking a break from it all is the best kind of break sometimes. Since we're talking about the topic of taking a break, which I think we both endure. Absolutely. 
We have a listener question about how we know when we need to take a break, and it's a good one. The question is this. The job of being an SLP is so busy, and I feel like there's always more to do. How do you know when you just need to keep your nose to the grindstone and hustle away at the work, and when it's time to stop, step away, and take a break? Sari, I'm going to be honest. For me, I feel like I don't always know which is which. It's tricky, and sometimes I'm forced to take a break because I just don't have any energy left to finish the work. So, And also, I'm using the phrase finish the work, so I have to add, you'll never finish. There'll always be more. So, Sari, how do you make that decision? When to keep working away and when to step away and take a break? Are there any early warning signs for you or other factors that you consider? Oh my gosh, I am chronically bad at this. I know there's going to be listeners who relate to this confession, but I frequently will skip my lunch break or I'll take a working lunch because it's too hard for me to stop once I'm going. Uh, So for people like me, thank goodness there's a cutoff time at the end of the day that we used to track when we should have gone home. (laughs) And I... I really have made it a goal of mine to get better about leaving work on time because I am really terrible about it. When I do leave on time, though, and stop myself from doing more work, and even when I make myself take my lunch break, I definitely feel happier and more attentive to my home life. So, when do we know when it's just a busy time and we need to power through? When do we know when it's time to say no? let things remain undone, and take breaks. I think one step is to ask yourself, do I need to be pushing this hard right now? The answer most of the time should be no, absolutely not, but the answer some of the time will be yes. Yes, I need to put in lots of extra time and energy for this project or work task, whatever it is. Of course, If you work for someone else, you get to decide if you want to work those extra hours. But if you work for yourself, which I do for some of my jobs, then you just have to grit your teeth and power through. I can think of one time I knew I needed to just keep working and working hard. That was when I started my private practice. For about six months leading up to that time, I'd just wake up at 4 a.m. and work until 7 a.m. or so when I needed to go into my paying gig, and then I'd just do it all over again. Uh. I didn't do that every day, but I had periods where I would do that for a week or two at a time, rest for a while, and then do it again. Also, my first year, and now in my almost second year owning a clinic, has involved a tremendous amount of work. Lots of extra work and figuring out how to do new things and always feeling like I just don't have it together. (laughs) I feel a little relieved hearing you say that. I was wondering if this was just a first year thing, um, but it sounds like it may just be an SLP thing. Do you regret doing that extra work? I don't regret it. I knew it was something I needed to do and it has paid off. I've created a job for myself that I like and it's worthwhile. But about a year in, I realized I needed to stop thinking of my clinic as a hustle because it was now an established business. Mm. I needed to keep to working hours and step away and have more boundaries with my time. I needed to treat it more like a day job because now it was my day job. 
it sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but it was a revelation to me at the time. So part of the danger of these busy times is your vision becomes myopic. You just focus on the work. And so it's hard to pull yourself out of that and realize it's time for that season to end. When we're in a hustle time, we have our head down and our nose in the work, and you can't do that and also keep your head up and have perspective. That's why it's such a great listener question. It's almost like you can't always be your own judge to tell when you need to take a break. So sometimes partners, family, and close friends let us know that we just need to chill the F out. Sometimes we burn out and we know we need to stop. Sometimes we notice it for ourselves, but it can be hard to see what we're doing when we are working our you-know-what off and it's just time to slow our roll. And if you are in a season of just a bunch of work and it is temporary, reminding yourself it's temporary can be helpful if overwhelm starts to set in. So now it sounds like we have some takeaways from this conversation before we move on. So uh, first, if you have a side gig or a small business or you own a business or have a side hustle like a teacher's pay teacher store or a podcast, uh, you will just absolutely go through phases of intense work to get things off the ground as things ebb and flow. So the trick is to know that you probably will have periods of overwork, but decide how long that will be and how you will interact with those periods. And of course, one option is to say you have working hours and stick to them. But for some personalities like mine, and I think like you, Sari, it's actually less stressful to put in some extra work during those times. Sometimes. Um, So whatever you do, the idea is to try to bring a little intention to your busy season, which is more easily said than done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So also when you go through periods of intense work, which you will, remind yourself this is temporary. An example would be a school SLP going through progress report time. The work may seem like you'll never get it done, and it is a ton of work in what already is a job with probably too much to do. So mm-hmm. it's easy to think that these periods will last forever. So remind yourself this time will end. For example, when a project is due, and then have a little celebration when you're finished to trigger your body and mind that this is a slowing down time and you're going to slow down. And lastly, rely on yourself and trust your own recognition of when you've been doing too much and when you need to step away. And if this is hard for you, which it can be, trust your loved ones, especially your family. They might kindly give you a heads up when you need to just chill out and let things go. Yeah, when you reach that point where your brain is jumping around like a ping pong ball, as Sarah would say, Mm -hmm. or as I say, when you feel like your brain is having lots of little train wrecks, it may be time to stop and take a break. So this was a great listener question. Definitely relevant. I completely relate and am working on it, and I'll be interested to hear what others' thoughts are as well. Yeah, me too. So moving on to a heavier topic, but one that is really important for SLPs, which is sharing difficult news with families or caregivers. For example, a client has a new diagnosis, or you are sharing evaluation results or discussing doing an assessment for a suspected disability. 
This is definitely something each of us faces in one way or another across settings and populations. Mm -hmm. This is something I certainly felt unprepared for after grad school. I mean, maybe there is no way to prepare, but these conversations can be super tricky and can be emotionally charged. Yes, I have had a couple of experiences already, and it's really hard to not take home. Mm -hmm. First, I wanted to say we are, as SLPs, in a position of power with you know families and clients, which we can forget because we do feel powerless and sometimes overworked other times. So, for example, sharing results at a meeting with a family member and other professionals around the table, that feels scary for a parent. And if this is news to you, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but I'm going to guess that many times that parent is going to start crying as soon as they walk out of the parking lot because that is overwhelming. So it's the same thing if you work in a clinic or an outpatient setting or even an inpatient setting. The first time a client meets you can be nerve-wracking for clients and for families. And when we share information, especially if it's perceived as bad news, even more so. Right, and maybe some of you know what it's like to be on the other end of that table. So you can actually relate to these families and it's scary. It's very vulnerable for them and upsetting, especially if this is an initial meeting and the first time they've really had to face that something is wrong or that their loved one may need some extra supports. That can be really hard to hear. And when approaching these conversations with families, We need to remember that if we are really focused on client-centered care, we need to remember we can't change our clients and we can't make them do anything. We give information and ask questions and give resources and options. So ask yourself, what is the most important thing that could come out of this conversation? Most of the time, it's that the family will get treatment, even if it's not with you. So... How can we share news in a way that is going to encourage family members to feel good about receiving our services moving forward? Maybe they won't come right away, but you are sharing news and building a relationship. Also, don't blame everything on yourself. These are emotionally charged conversations and sometimes people cry, sometimes people yell, sometimes people deny. Uh, Some clients won't come in again. Some clients will ask to work with a different SLP after you've shared hard news because they don't want to hear about it or just aren't ready. So here's an example of something to try if you are looking at, for example, considering another eligibility if you work in the schools or doing specific testing around a disorder. So if you work in another setting, you can say something like, I'm seeing a score profile and some behaviors that indicate there might be another disability or delay or challenge besides speech and language. Is that something you'd like to explore and discuss today? Then respect whatever they have to say. If they say no, they aren't ready to talk about it, which happens fairly often and has happened to me, you can say, can I share these results and some thoughts about today with your primary care provider? In that case, they almost always say yes, and so I forward my concerns there. 
we can't make someone pursue another diagnosis and we wouldn't want to. So again, if we're providing patient-centered care and getting informed consent and all that good stuff, we put out options. I think we've all taken a direct approach and sometimes forcing the issue means families often won't follow your recommendations at all. And so it really isn't productive. Right. And different families respond differently to the way that you approach these conversations, too. And as far as the diagnosis goes, we've talked before about avoiding surprises for the family as much as possible. And it's a good idea to let them know ahead of time what you're suspecting and planning to do so they aren't blindsided and have some time to process the information. So the strategies that I've found work best for me is to be straightforward but not demanding. I use simply stated facts about what I've observed, that I think their loved one would benefit from some extra supports, that their characteristics are consistent with such and such diagnosis, and I recommend they receive speech-language therapy to help them improve. And I, I try to avoid using words like, you should, and instead say, you may want to consider. And I know that that may sound indirect, but I've had a much better response to it. And it puts the power back in their hands, really, so that they feel that I'm just making a recommendation, I'm not ordering them to follow my directions, They are taking care of their loved one, and the decision is in their hands, not mine. Also, be aware of how you use the word disability, because that is an emotionally charged word to be aware of. So make sure um, when you're talking to them that you're also emphasizing their loved one's strengths. That is so important. These families need to hear that positive so make sure you include that and really focus on that when you're dealing with these conversations. And that's what we do to share difficult news with families. Whatever you do, just know that we all struggle with this, whether you've been an SLP for six months or 10 years. Right, Sari? Right. So that's really the extent of that. I think we can talk about these conversations all day, But that's the gist, and definitely enough to get started with these conversations. They are hard conversations for everyone. The summary is choices, 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 and when you run out of choices, give options. And when you don't have options, and life hands you a stinky pile of you-know-what, things can get pretty negative. Sarah and I have been talking about that lately and wanted to share the discussion with you specifically around this idea of a negative mantra. So Sarah, what is a negative mantra? A negative mantra is telling yourself that something is hard and why, or a belief about something. So some examples, I'm not good at writing reports. There's too much work to do. I never have a spare moment. My coworkers are all difficult. It's anything we tell ourselves over and over that tends to lead to overwhelm and maybe only partially true. Yes, there are situations that straight up are terrible, but we all tend to suffer from this dichotomous thinking, bouncing back and forth between two extremes without even noticing it. So the point here is to notice it. 
That's the challenge. For example, maybe that coworker that was short with you at the meeting is going through a divorce and is actually pretty nice to you normally. But after they made that comment, the negative thought keeps spinning around in your head and it's, that person doesn't like me. There are many more examples. Yes, I do that all the time and I'm a worrier too. Again, something I'm working on and I honestly almost can't rest until I make things better. Yeah, me too. And I have a couple examples of this, which I can share. So a work example and an out of work example. So here's my life example. Several years ago, I moved to a new area and bought a house. And if you've seen the movie, it's, I think, an 80s movie called The Money Pit. And that's what my house is like. So examples, we've had several, yes, several trees fall. We've gone 48 hours without water. That was a few days ago, but we had a repair person come in. We're good now. We've had the furnace break. We've redone the plumbing. We've had a leaking shower. Uh, I could go on and on, but that's just lately. Um, That's not all of it. So my negative mantra is living in this house is hard. And that mantra was really impacting my brain space in a negative way. So I did the steps we're talking about here, which is looking for evidence that wasn't true. And I found out it is still hard, but I was missing the good things too, like the flowers on the table from the front yard, or eating a wonderful dinner at the kitchen table with friends, or the view out the window. So it's a mix, it's hard, and it's great, but I was missing out on the good stuff with my negative mantra. So with work, here's my work example. I have one day a week that is much harder or at least seems harder than the others. And my negative mantra was Mondays are hard. I'm still working on that one. It's my busiest day, but when I get stuck on only seeing how busy it is, I miss the good stuff there too. So I want to add in here. There are situations in life where everything does indeed suck. It's just bad. And I'm coming out of one of those. So if you're there, I'm sending hugs through your earbuds and I've been there and I've been there recently. So there are certain situations that do not have a bright side and you need to grieve or be sad or be angry or process and get used to a new normal. This discussion is on negative thoughts and how the negative thoughts can really run away with themselves, which reminds me of something Have you ever heard the story of the two wolves? No, I don't think I've heard that one. Okay, so I had this amazing mentor who told me this story, and I looked it up, and it's actually a Cherokee story. And the sum of it is there's a grandfather talking to his grandson, and he says that there are two wolves inside each of us that are battling. There's a bad wolf who represents all of these bad qualities, and the good wolf who represents all of these good qualities. And at one point, the boy asks the grandpa and says, which one wins? And the grandpa says, the one that you feed. I think the negative mantras feed that evil wolf inside of us. So changing them into positive mantras feed the good wolf. Instead of saying, I'll never get a break, Turn it into a positive mantra or a positive goal to focus on. I will find a way to take a break today. And you will find a way if you say this as your goal or as your positive mantra over and over, you'll find a way to take a break. But if you say, I never get a break over and over, you'll never get a break. It's the one that you feed. Yes. 
The idea here is to see if you can flip that negative mantra into something positive, to realize that you are not powerless and you can do something about it, at least whenever possible, and then take action. We're not saying that only positive thinking works because you can't make a pile of poop into a unicorn by thinking (laughs) happy thoughts, right? So it's still poop. And yes, I am avoiding saying another more specific word here. We'll save our salty language for our happy hour. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So with these negative mantras, we can get in this negative feedback loop, whether it's a situation or a person where our thoughts about them cloud the situation so much that we really can't see the situation for what it is anymore just what we've made of it and our negative feelings. I've caught myself in these before, so I wanted to mention the house story, for example, in case anyone else could relate to that situation in my story. Yes. You can do this for a situation like, my job is impossible. Or for a person, my coworker is always rude to me. For so many situations. Of course, we're talking about pairing thinking with action. Maybe your negative mantra is completely accurate, and maybe it isn't, but recognize it for what it is. Yes, recognizing that we all have negative mantras gives us the opportunity to catch ourselves and then to decide to look for ways that mantra might not be true and ways you might be feeding into that. We aren't saying deny the truth of a hard situation. But we are saying that sometimes your feelings about that situation cloud what the situation actually is. So let's reapproach that and take a second look. In the example of difficulty with your boss, if you perceive your boss doesn't like you, are you then coming into interactions with them with a pessimistic or negative attitude? You may do this without realizing it. Or are you avoiding this person so the only interactions you have with them are negative when there's a problem? Again, there are unmanageable bosses out there too. We aren't saying your beliefs are wrong. We are just saying, take a second look. Yes, what we are saying is to look for opportunities to see when your negative mantra is wrong so you can recognize it. Look for evidence in the other direction. See if you are feeding into your own negative mantra, if you are feeding your own negative wolf, to use the story. We've all done it. Mm-hmm. So let's make this real by moving into our self-care challenge. So to make this into a self-care challenge, your goal is to find something you are feeling negative about. So something where you're really telling yourself, this is bad, this is hard, where by doing that, you are missing out on the gifts that that situation has to give as well. Again, maybe we aren't choosing major life events or ones that are really emotionally charged, or maybe we are. The situation you pick is up to you. Then catch yourself when you are creating a negative story about a situation or person and nip it in the bud. Lastly, keep your eyes open to situations and times when that story isn't true. For example, with my house story, I might pay attention to the flowers blooming in the yard or the delicious meal I'm enjoying around my kitchen table with friends, all brought to you by my high maintenance drama queen of a house. (laughs) So to give a work example, maybe it's that you've had some tough communication with your boss, but you know that he or she is out there to support staff and you want to purposefully notice one thing your boss does to look out for others instead of just telling yourself the negative story about that person. When I talk about stories, it's that 
when we decide something is really bad or really good or really hard or really painful, we might be right, but chances are we are also simplifying our story and seeing only one perspective. Life is complicated. People and situations are more complex than we think they are sometimes. In summary, look for exceptions to the rule and then keep looking. Through that, figure out if there is a way you can be mindful in those moments where good things are happening in that situation or with that person. It really will add to your happiness. Yes. My negative mantra this week is, I'm always staying late. I just now realized how much I've been complaining to myself about it, but I'm not going to feed that evil wolf anymore. My mantra the rest of this week will be, I will leave on time. I will leave on time. Ask me again next week if I follow through. (laughs) You know I will. (laughs) Or what about a mantra that connects you to your values instead of leaving on time? So saying, I will prioritize time with family. Just thinking about connecting it with values in your bigger way. Yes. Focusing on the positive and the reason behind it. I like it. And you better bet your bottom dollar I will check in with you about leaving (laughs) work on time. And I'm not above bullying someone to keep them from staying late. I will do it. No, you've got my back and I appreciate that about you, Sarah. Well, I've been there. I can say that much. I really relate. Well, it's almost time to wrap up this episode and it's time to say goodbye. So that's our show this time around. Sari and I are recording this late into the evening, early nighttime Mm -hmm. by now. Um, And we are ready to prioritize time with family and get ourselves home. Wherever you are headed after this podcast, we wish you some relaxing time with loved ones as well. So this concludes this episode of SLP Happy Hour. We hope you enjoyed the show. Wherever you are in your SLP journey, We hope you feel more connected and empowered by listening today and that you learned something along the way. Let's figure this out together. By sharing our experiences and perspectives, we can become more connected to each other and more forgiving of ourselves. Remember, you are already an awesome SLP. Now let's navigate through these thorny issues together. We hope you enjoyed this show. As we talked about taking a break, difficult conversations, and negative work mantras. We hope you found these conversations helpful and that you learned something along the way. This episode, we discussed negative mantras. We've all got them. Hope that discussion helps you find more encouragement and positivity in your work week ahead. And remember, your self-care challenge this episode is to find something you're feeling negative about and to catch your negative work or home mantra. Then, if you are telling yourself a negative story about a situation, nip it in the bud. Instead of approaching that negative mantra as truth, approach it with curiosity. Look for evidence that your negative mantra isn't true. Maybe you'll find it, maybe you won't. But at the very least, take that second look. And lastly, reassess your negative mantra to find out firstly if it's true and secondly, if it's serving you. If you liked the show, please consider leaving us a rating and a review. Ratings is how many stars you give us in your podcast player. 
and reviews are the narrative, what you write to describe the show. And writing those reviews helps listeners know what to expect from this podcast and see if it's something new that they might like too. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on Instagram as slphappyhour. We hope you enjoyed this show and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Welcome to the SLP Silly Hour, (laughs) where we laugh for 30 (laughs) continuous minutes. Contagious laughter. (laughs) 